Bible, let's turn together to the book of James, chapter 1. Jesus is the, is the hero of the story. Whether we proclaim that through the songs that we sing, or the sermon, or through the text in our own time with the Lord, I mean, that's, that's it for us. And so I hope that if you leave here with nothing else, you, get, you walk away with a clear picture of who Jesus is. And uh, if you leave with that, then you leave with more, more than enough. Um, so we, a couple weeks ago, began a series that will take us through to all the way till Advent begins at the end of November. And we're, each Sunday night, we're going to take a look at a different uh, pattern of the world. In Romans 12, Paul tells us uh, to not conform to the patterns of the world but to be transformed by the renewal of our minds. And we believe that that is not a joke. That is not a suggestion. Uh, that, that this is not a game. You know, that our faith and our relationship with God is, is, that there's nothing more important than that. And so when the Spirit uses Paul to write a letter to a church in Rome, and we all these years later have it in front of us, we believe that's not an, an accident. And so the Spirit wants us to be aware that there are certain patterns of, of thinking that exist outside of uh, the kingdom of God in the kingdom of this world, and that those are things we should not conform to. Now, when I say patterns of the world, uh, and I'll probably say this every week, um, that really means the, the attitudes and the perceptions and the, um, the perspective of, those, uh, of, of what it's like to not be in Christ, to not be in the kingdom of, of God. And so out there, there just exists these, these different you know, patterns that kind of make up this big framework. And, and, and you look through that lens and, and interpret all kinds of things about life. And we see that most evidently in, uh, in entertainment. Uh, those, kind of, those patterns are very prevalent there in TV and movies and in magazines and in music and those, those kinds of things. But they also exist um, in like those things are really all based on just the attitudes and, and perceptions of, of reality that exist among people. And so you can look at movies and stuff like that, but we're not saying don't conform to the movies because most of us know that they're movies. You know, like nobody's like, I'm going to pattern my life after the Matrix. You know, like nobody's really going to do that. Uh, well, maybe some would, but, but no, you know, that's just, that's not what we're, what we're, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying don't conform to the patterns of the world that are, that are reflected in the movies that we see and the TV shows that are out there and those, those kinds of things. Um, and so the patterns that we're looking at last week, this week, and next week will be patterns as far as just that, of how we think about God and who He is and how He works. And so last week we looked at the Jesus take the wheel mentality that, that, uh, that God is there to like bail you out. That when you really get in a bind... He's like Superman that swoops in and saves everything, and, you know, and then he goes back away until you get in trouble again, and how that's not at all the, the God of the Bible. And so that's a pattern that Paul says, don't conform to that. Instead, be transformed by the renewal of your mind. So be transformed by learning to think differently about who God is. 
And when you think differently about who he is, your life is transformed. And so you see that mindset that, that, that's reflected out there in culture that, well, you just turn, you pray when you're in trouble. It's like, well, yeah, you do pray when you're in trouble, but you also pray when you're not in trouble. Uh, God is a big God who wants to be involved in, in everything, the small things and the big things, the difficult things and the easy things, that he is a 100% all the time in fullness God. Um, so when we learn to think that way, our lives are transformed. And so it's not a Jesus take the wheel mindset. It's a, it's a me and Jesus are driving all the time. And it's not that I hand him the wheel um, uh, and then he hands it back to me or anything. It's like he's helping me drive my life forward. Um, so tonight I want to look at one that's, that's really, really dangerous because it's really, really subtle. And so th- what I'm going to talk about tonight and what I'm going to talk about next week, they're really, it's really like one big message I had to just chop in two. Otherwise, we'd be here for a really long time. So, and nobody wants that. So let's just like make a covenant that all of us will be here next week to hear the next part so I can feel better about leaving a few stones unturned. We'll handle that next time. So the pattern for, for tonight is one that, that probably won't make sense at first, but uh, hopefully by the end of it, it maybe it will. And this is the, this is the pattern that, that exists out there. In, in thinking about who God is and how He works, there's this, this attitude that you just kind of can make God into, um, into whatever you really want. You know, he can be however, however you perceive Him to be. You know, you're kind of correct. And I'm not talking about... You know, all roads lead, lead to God, you know, universalism and all that kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about uh, when it comes to, like, the God that we worship and we serve, like our Lord and Savior, um, there's this mentality out there that, that you can kind of think of Him however you want to and however you need to, and that that's okay. Almost like He's just really, like, flexible and moldable and, you know, whatever. And you see it in a couple of different... A couple different places. Two movies came to mind when I was kind of preparing. One is uh, in Talladega Nights when they're saying the blessing, you know, and uh, you know he prays to like baby Jesus, and they try to correct him, you know, and he's like, and it, you know, he's like, well, when I pray, I like to think about Jesus as a baby, you know, and and whatever. And John C. Riley, he's just brilliant, you know. He's like, I like to picture Jesus in a you know tuxedo T-shirt, you know. Uh, and I think, I think that, that some of that is good because I think it's, it's awesome to think about at some point Jesus was a baby, and at some point he was 10, and then he was 20, and then he was 30. I think it's to, awesome to think about Jesus in different stages of life and whatever. But it's really more the, the attitude behind that conversation when he's saying, well, I can do whatever I want. So when I pray to Jesus, I like to think of, of him like this. Now, I'm not like, trying to like, you know, belittle the movie or anything like that. Uh, I'm just saying like, there's, that's kind of what I'm talking about. But probably a better example is in the movie Dogma, which I would not endorse normally. Uh, so the, uh, the Catholic Church goes through a, a like, rebranding you know, kind of campaign in the movie Dogma. And George Carlin is like the bishop or something. And, uh, with that in itself, that's, that's comedy right there. And so, uh, and so they come up with uh, Buddy Christ. And the, the idea being that, you know, people are, you know, like the, the, the crucifix or Jesus hanging on the cross, that's too depressing. And so they come out with Buddy Christ. And he's, he's like, like pointing and like giving you the thumbs up and winking at you or whatever. And he's just like, you know, like Jesus is your homeboy kind of mindset of like, let's rebrand Jesus so that he's a little more receptive. We can get more people in the building and that kind of stuff. And that's the, that's the attitude. Like that's kind of what, I'm, what I'm, I'm talking about. It's not so much, it's not those things in particular it's the attitude behind it, which kind of, 
which like has this implication there that, that if you need Jesus to be, to be really gentle, then let him be really gentle. And then if, if, you need, if you need Jesus to be really, really like stern in order to keep your kids behaving right, then just make him really stern, you know. And for churches, if Jesus needs to be like a big guilt tripper, then just make him a big guilt tripper so that people feel bad and so they keep coming and they keep giving and they keep whatever. You know? that, that, that there's this attitude out there that he's kind of whatever you need him to be in the moment. And it's very subtle. And you might not even agree that, it's, that, that's, that this is a pattern of the world. But hopefully, maybe when we look at it a little bit more, um, maybe you'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. So that's, that's the pattern that we're pushing against. Is, is that, that you can make God into, into whatever you really need for the moment, whatever makes you feel better uh, in, in that moment. Um, when you make him into something, you're also kind of sometimes making him into something that he's not. So with Buddy Christ in the movie Dogma, they're making him out to be like cool, and he's like, he's your guy, he's your bud. Um, they're also saying like, he's not mad, he's not this, he's not, he doesn't care really about sin, like he's your bro, you know? Um, and so we really need to be very, very careful uh, that we aren't conforming to that pattern. And I think, uh, I think that we conform to it more than we realize. Because you're probably sitting there being like, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not that guy. Like, I don't think that. But let's, let's look at some of this. So the, so the renewed mind uh, thinking to counter that pattern uh, is going to come down to, to the fact that, that God is unchangeable. Like, He is exactly who He is. And there's no changing that. That sounds really, really basic. You know, like who would try and change God? But, but we do try and change Him sometimes. You know? We like to pick and choose different attributes and different things about Him. We like to pick and choose in the Bible the stories that we like and the stories that we don't like. Um, we like to, to pick and choose how He works with us versus how, sometimes how He doesn't work with us. And it's just it's one of those things where, where we have to really embrace the fact that God does not change now, two years ago in community group, we went through the same stuff I'm going to go through tonight, but I know that most of you probably don't remember what we did this past week necessarily, much less two years ago. So yes, this, this is familiar, and this comes from um, Wayne Grudem's Systematic Theology. He, he brings out some points that I think are just, they're just tremendous as far as God being unchangeable. So look at, look at James chapter 1. Um, Grudem points out four ways that the unchangeable nature of God... Uh, like uh, four, four things that, would, that are helpful for us to understand and to think about. We're going to go through those uh, really quickly. Um, the first thing is that the unchangeable nature of God just means that in, in his own being, uh, he is, he's unchangeable. He, he's, very, he's consistent. There is no flexibility and moldability in that. Look at, let's just, we're just look at one verse for right now, verse 17 of chapter 1. It says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Okay? So look at, there's no variation or shadow due to change. Alright? So, so you have a tall building that casts a shadow, but the shadow moves steadily all day long, and then at night it's not even there. And when it's cloudy, maybe it's, it's you know, maybe it's kind of dimly there, but then when it's bright, it's really, really prominent. Um, shadows shift around because there's variation in, in what's casting the shadow. Uh, so the sun moves, the building doesn't move, the shadow is like dependent on all those factors. And, and so look at what he's saying. Um, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow 
due to change. He doesn't ever change. Um, you don't have to turn to it, but Psalm 102, 25 through 27, this is what it says. Um, Every good and perfect gift. No, I'm just kidding. Here we go. Of old, you laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you will remain. They will all wear out like a garment. You will change them like a robe, and they will pass away. But you are the same, and your years have no end. All right? So, so all these beautiful things on the earth, uh, so the grass and the flowers, and even us as humans, we all are constantly changing, and we're all growing up and dying, and growing up and dying, and all this stuff is always going on and changing, but God doesn't change. Uh, Hebrews 13, 8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is this unchangeable nature about God. Now, that is really important because that means that God can never get any better than He is now. Now, for you and I, that would be terrible news, right? Like, I don't think any of us is like, I'd like to just stay just like I am forever and ever. None of us want that. But God can't get any better because He literally can't, he can't get better. He's as perfect as, as He can possibly be. And so when the Scriptures say that He is holy, that's a part of what we're saying is there's a purity there that you can't get more pure than Him. And so everything about Him has, has hit the top of what is possible, and He can't get any better. And for us, that's really, really good news. And the other side of that is He can't get any worse. Like He can't devolve like you and I can. There's no shadow that He's casting. So you and I, we go through life, and, and just people in general, we get, we get more generous sometimes, and we get less generous other times. Kindness goes up, kindness goes down. Sometimes we're in sinful patterns, and sometimes we really are walking in purity and righteousness and holiness. There's this ebb and flow of life where things are constantly changing in our lives, but our God is the rock. Like He doesn't change. He's as good as He can get, and He will never, ever be anything other than that. He can't, just can't happen. And so you and I, our shadows are constantly changing. For Him, there's no variation, and there's no change. The flowers die, the grass dies, you and I die. But our Lord is there all the time. So, you, so we can't change Him. So if the pattern of the world is, just kind of make Him into whatever you want, what we're really saying is like, no, He, he is what He is. You can't make Him what you want. Like You have to realize what He is and who He is. And so the Bible tells us this is who He is. So there's no manipulating that. There's no rebranding campaign that we do to try to change His image. He's given us everything that we need to know about Him through the Scriptures. And so that's the first thing. In His being, He is unchangeable. The second thing um, is, is He's unchangeable in his, in his attributes. So, so all the things about Him will never change. So like I said, you and I, like we go through this morphing, and our, our character hopefully gets better and better and better. Um, some people, though, it doesn't, you know. 
These things about us were always morphing and changing, taking on new qualities. You know, someone who used to, used to be incredibly uh, rude and self-centered in Christ, like, morphs and, and becomes very compassionate and hospitable and gracious. And we see that happening. And so our attributes are being sanctified. That He's making us into, like, more and more and more and more like Himself. But His attributes, they don't ever change. So He is always omniscient and always good and always holy and all those things about him they they never change next week we're going to this that's where this is where some of the stones unturned we're going to turn them up next week but but I really want us to um to see how this fits into the bigger deal so in his attributes God doesn't God doesn't have a bad day you know he doesn't he's not moody like you and I are He doesn't, he doesn't change day to day like that. So not only is he unchangeable in his being, but that, that comes into his attributes, meaning like every day in that fullness, he is exactly the same. Now think about what that's like to have your God never just get just have one of those days and he just like loses it. To know that you can watch the news and whatever has, has happened in the world is not because God was just fed up that day. That he said, you know what, I'm kind of tired of being good today. That even when we watch those like, crazy news reports, whether it's in Baton Rouge or whether it's in the Middle East or whatever, that in watching that, the goodness of our God has not changed. That when you, when you read the Old Testament and there are these stories and you're like, how this doesn't even make sense. Why would he say that? Why would he have them do that? Why would this happen? It's not because he stopped being good. That that's actually a display of his goodness, maybe in a way we don't understand. That there's a consistency in his personality and in his attributes and, and in the way that he interacts with us. So he doesn't change day to day. And he also doesn't change from person to person. And you might say, "What? Well, I, I don't, that's not me. I, I don't really struggle with that pattern of the world. And I would say, well, guess what? A lot of us do based simply on this. If we could do a real, like a real talk survey for a second, I'm not going to really do it. But if we did, and the question was, how many of you think that God is mad at you right now? The percentage of people in this room alone would prove that this is a pattern that we struggle with. He said, how many of you think that he's mad at you because, because of the week that you've had, maybe because of the day that you've had, because of the sins that you have committed, because of the lack of prayer, the lack of being in the Word, the lack of serving people, the lack of this, the lack of this, the lack of this? Or how many of you think that he's mad at you because you're looking around at other people and you're saying, man, he sure is taking care of them and them and them in ways that I wish he would take care of me, but he... So he must be really happy with them, and there must be something wrong with me. But that's not the case. So if this pattern of the world wasn't something that we battled, then if we had real talk, asked that question, there'd be a 0% return, because everybody would know, well, he's not mad at me, because it's, it's, 
We don't live in a... We don't, uh, it's not, performance is not the determining factor in the kingdom of God. That God, on my, on my best day, loves me and approves of me just as much as on my worst day, quote-unquote. That when He's walking me through um, some, something that's sanctifying me and I'm, I'm walking in obedience, He loves me just as, as much as when He's walking me through how to deal with the repercussions of my disobedience. It's exactly the same. There is no difference. But a lot of times we really struggle to see Him as unchangeable because we're either basing it on our performance or we're basing it on comparison to other people and we're trying to figure out where we fall in the stack. And that's just not the case. If God were changeable in His attributes, then there would be a reason to, f- to chase both of those rabbits. But He's unchangeable in His attributes. He's 100% consistent day-to-day, person-to-person, because He doesn't change due to variation like you and I do. And so the problem is not Him. The problem is always us. And we kind of need to own up to that a little bit. And that's a part of, the, a part of what underli- is underlying about this pattern of the world. is the, That comes from the fact that people find like a defect in who God is. And they say, well, he's not really like running the world right, but if I think of him like this, then that's a little bit better. And so we'll just kind of run with that. And so what we're saying is the renewed mind looks at our God and says, look, even though things don't always make sense, my God is unchangeable. That the Bible doesn't always make sense, but God is unchangeable. That the news doesn't always make sense. And I could go off all these examples, but God doesn't change. There's no variation. And the third thing that we see uh, that Grudem points out is God is unchanging in His purposes. Go with, with me to Isaiah 46. I almost like scrapped all this stuff and just was like, we're just going to go through Isaiah 46 tonight. Um, and we still might, but we'll see. But I want to zo- like zero in on uh, verse eight through, verses 8 through 11. That God is unchangeable in His purposes. And by that I mean once, once He decides He's going to do something, He does it. And He does it with intentionality. And purpose. Look at verse 8. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old. For I am God, and there is no other. I am, I am God, and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done, saying... My counsel shall stand, and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken, and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed, and I will do it. That's not someone who is wishy-washy. He's unchangeable when he has made up his mind. Um, you and I don't live in a world where that's really necessarily the case. You know, That's why we have contracts with people. That's why if you have a mortgage or a car loan or a student loan or anything like that, you sit down and you sign your full name like a billion times. 
Because we don't live in a world where someone, like once they've said, I'm going to do this, they actually do it. But projecting that onto God is sin. Making Him like us, that's idolatry. And that's what this chapter is about. He's trying to like show him, like, look, I'm just I'm not like the gods that you have created. I'm different. So what, once he has made up his mind, he's unchanging in his purposes. Um, if you look at verse ten, declaring the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things not yet done. That what that's saying. The end from the beginning, from ancient times, things not yet done. What he's saying is, is look, I, I see it all. I see all of human history at one time. So we're going through moment by moment. You don't know what the next moment holds. God does. Um, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You know, all that stuff. He sees the end. If you think of the timeline, he... We're going like step by step by step through time, like second by second. And he just sees it all at once. So he knows the end from the beginning. He knows in ancient times things have not yet happened. Uh, so when he looks at a timeline, he, just, he sees it all in one, one big chunk. And so he has these purposes. And so he's able to see exactly how, how all that stuff is going to play out. And he knows how to direct human history to accomplish the things that he wants. So what is that, you know, like what? Okay, well, one thing would be the redemption of, of all things. The redemption of everything on this planet through Jesus Christ. That's what he is purposed to do. So seeing the end from the beginning, he decided from the beginning that that's how it was going to work. Knowing that sin was going to happen, he was going to choose Israel and raise them up and bring out a Redeemer. The Messiah who would die for the sins of the people. He knew that the Son was going to go. That the Spirit was going to empower. They are, everybody's in on it. That's the plan. And then the, uh, Jesus would hand over the, the keys to the church, basically, to the apostles. And they would go and they would make disciples. And that would continue. And that would spread all over the globe. And he knows exactly how long that's, that's going to take till every tribe and every tongue and everybody's been reached. And he knows exactly when the trumpets are going to sound and when all that stuff is going to go down. And nobody really knows about the tribulation, how it's really going to happen. Everybody has these ideas, but only he really knows that. But at some point, that's going to happen and we're all going to be standing before him to be judged. And that's going to be really awesome for people who are in Christ. And he knows what the new earth is going to look like. He knows all that stuff. He sees it all in one thing. So when it comes down to being very purposed, uh, he's, he knows exactly what to do because he has that perspective and we do not. So, so think about the implications of that for a second. Like for your, for your life, if you're sitting there and you're trying to make some sort of a decision, why would that be a Jesus take the wheel moment? You know? Why wouldn't that be something... Where instead of waiting to the last possible second and just freaking out and be like, well, you just tell me what to do. Why wouldn't involving him in that whole process be just a natural thing? Well, because a lot of times we don't really see him as unchangeable. 
And we don't think of him naturally as seeing the end from the beginning and saying, I've determined I'm going to do these things and I'm going to get it done. And we fail to see that a part of that redemption of all things through Jesus Christ is what has happened to your life and what he wants you to do and the purpose and the plan he has for you and how that fits into his big plan so you don't know where that's going to take your life. We have people who will, who will go, talk about summer missionaries, we have people who will serve in places this summer that they have no idea about right now. But he knows. He knows who those people are and where they're going to go. He knows how we're going to support them. It's purposed and it's planned. In 2006, we didn't know where we were going to be here at Grace Baptist. We didn't know we'd be involved in India. We knew we were already involved in Mexico. We didn't know any of those things, but, but God did. And He has determined and purposed every one of those steps that we have taken because He sees the end from the beginning. Your life... It's no different in the life of this church or the life of any church or human history in general. That God is a big enough God to be able to see every one of those details all in fullness, all at once, and guide each one of us through step by step down that path of righteousness for His namesake. Because He doesn't change in His purposes. Now look, you li- listen to me. I know... Because I can look around the room. I know I don't know all of you, but I know a lot of you. And I know that there's a significant number, a significant percentage, of the people who are involved in our church, who are just, they're just going through it right now. Just struggling. And some of it is struggle with sin. Some of it is struggle with the repercussions of sin. Some of it is just struggling with, with uh, learning how to be married. Some of it is struggling with learning how to be a parent. Struggles with anxiety, with depression, discontentment because your life just doesn't look like you thought it would look. And all kinds of things that I couldn't even begin to rattle off. And every one of us, we have to, we have to wrap our arms around these truths that He doesn't change. And that He has purposed something for every one of us And once he puts his mind to something, once he is determined, this is what I'm going to do, he gets it done. And you can fight him, and I can fight him, but he gets it done. Because he's the warrior. Like he's the one doing the work. So when he wanted Israel to go through, and they fought him, it was 40 years of them walking around the desert until they all died, but he got it done. I think for us, we had to sit back and go, look, I don't want to be here for 40 years. I think we have to fully embrace the fact that he has set his mind to what our futures hold. And he'll see it through. Because he always finishes what he starts. The problem will not be with him. The problem will be with us. And it will be with us submitting and praying and being obedient and involving our community in appropriate ways. And those are all the things that He's going to use. And we can resist those things, but, but the problem is going to be on our end. It's not going to be on His end. Because He doesn't change in His purposes. And I hope that if, you are, if you're going through it right now, whatever it is, 
We prayed today that the Spirit would encourage and that these things would land in such a place where you know that's what I'm saying is not going to make all this stuff better. But the renewed mind brings with it peace in knowing that what you're going through is not random. It's not an accident. Even if sin got you here, the goodness of God will lead you forward and use that to sharpen you and equip you and make you more like Him. Because just, just, just let this bless you. He has looked at your life and He's made up His mind. You're His. And He's going to finish what He started in your life. Because He doesn't change. And that, that should push us forward. He's unchanging in who He is. He's unchanging in His attributes. He's unchanging in His purposes. And the last one, He's unchanging in His promises. Let me put up for you Numbers Chapter 23, verse 19. You don't need to turn to it. Stay there in Isaiah 46. This is what verse 19 says. God is not a man that he should lie, or a son of man that he should change his mind. He Has he said, and will he not do it? Or has he spoken, and he will not fulfill it? We live in a world full of liars. God is not one of them. That when he has promised something... He will do it. And so when He says, I will not leave you or forsake you, He means it. He's not like a man or a woman who can just change their mind because He had a bad day or because you didn't hold up your end of the deal. He's the unchangeable Holy One. And so if you're going through it, I mean, if you're in a dark spot, you need to know that when Jesus says, I'll never leave you or forsake it or forsake you, he means it and he carries it forward. And he hasn't changed his mind, no matter what your circumstances look like, and no matter what your emotions tell you, he hasn't changed his mind and he will not change his mind. Because he's unchangeable. So as you're praying, And as you're thinking about your situation, you're trying to process what's going on. Find those promises in the Bible. And you memorize them. And you claim them. Don't go making up promises. We don't need to be the kind of people who are like, well, God promised me that somebody would pay my mortgage this month. And God promised me that I would marry this person. And God promised me this. And God promised me this. That's not not of, of the Lord. Even years ago when we felt like God was telling us that the ring was going to become a church, it wasn't a promise that we were going to become a church. The promises were all found here. The promise was that He would lead us down a path of righteousness for His namesake, and He would never leave us or forsake us, and that He had given us everything we need for life and godliness, and that that an abiding life would lead to fruit. Those were the promises that we could hold on to. And yeah, we sensed that was the direction, but it, when it comes down to it, the things that, that we had to hold on to would be the things that He promised us in His Word. And so for you, when you're going through it, you find those promises and you circle them and you memorize them and you claim them because they're real. 
And he's not going to change his mind. There's not a lot of things we can count on in the world. I mean, even the earth itself, we can't even count on the earth. The biggest rock that we know. And those plates will shift and we'll have these earthquakes. You're like, how is it? the earth is moving? I don't understand it. And I was like, yeah, because it's broken. But Jesus came to fix it. And he promised that he would fix it. And he just set his mind to it that he will fix it. And he always finishes what he starts once he's set his mind to, to it. And he's communicated that. And it's always going to be good because he's not going to change. He's not going to have a bad day. He's not going to go back on his word. Nothing's going to change because he's not like us. He doesn't change with variation like a shadow. He's the same yesterday, today, forever. This is massive for us. And you say, well, what about, like, doesn't it, isn't he changeable when, when we change his mind, when we start to pray about something? No, even that is him being unchangeable. He, always, he responds to the circumstances. And so when we pray about something, it's not he's like, okay, you know, twisted my arm, I'll do this instead. He's saying, my kids asked me to help, I'm going to help. It's not that he wasn't going to help before. He sees everything all at once, right? But he, he enters into time with us because he's cool like that. He's like, well, I'm not going like, to like beat them up because they can't see time all at once because I made them to experience it moment by moment. So he's like, okay, I'll interact with you moment by moment. I'll, I'll, I'll guide you, okay? You be obedient, you abide, I'll guide you, everything will be okay. And as we begin to pray, the circumstances change. So it's not that he changed his mind, it's that he's responding moment by moment to us. So last week we talked about just prayerlessness coming from that that small God understanding of Jesus take the wheel. And so I don't know if your week was any different this this week, but I guarantee you this. If you went from prayerlessness to being very prayerful, uh, God has responded to the circumstances as you, you have changed the condition of what's going on through that obedience. I'm not saying everything is now completely different, but he's responding to our obedience in those things. So whatever you're going through, again, be prayerful. Because one unchangeable thing about God is that he responds to the circumstances. And so we change the game when we pray. We, do, we have that prayer time before we start in here, and we have from the, as long as I can remember. Uh, we change the game. Not saying that, oh, God's like, oh, well, since they prayed, I guess I better get my act together and start moving tonight. That's not how he works. He's saying, yeah, that's right. Ask me to do some big stuff among you. Ask me to fit you all together like a bunch of stones and make a throne room. Ask ask me to do that. Ask me to encourage the ones among you who are hurting and who aren't really sure what tomorrow's going to bring. Ask me to take the unchangeable nature of myself and try to make it comprehensible, even though it's something we really can't comprehend. Ask me to use the songs. Ask me to teach the kids in the in the nursery tonight what it means that they can't be separated from the love of God. Ask me to make help that make sense to someone who's this tall, and I'll do it. Ask me. It's awesome. So once he's promised it, he's set his mind to it. He's unchangeable in those things. So you take that unchangeable in his being and his attributes and his promises and his purposes and you put all that together and you have this amazing picture of God. So why in the world would you want to take and make Buddy Christ 
You know, why would you want to be like, well, he's, he's this in this situation and this in some situation? No, he is who he is in fullness all the time. And we're going to explore that more next week. And so I would encourage you to come back. But I know that tonight, like this is for this group tonight. And so I don't know which of these things is, is encouraging to you or challenging to you or confusing or maybe it brings up more questions. But I, I, I just pray that, that, that God would, would renew our minds in such a way that the, that pattern of the world doesn't even make sense. And we would say, why would we want to manipulate God into something else when this is who He is? And even though I don't really get it, what I do get is awesome. And that's where that transformation, that renewed mind comes from, is when we, we realize that's, those patterns are silly. They really are. So let's, uh, let's pray together. Lord, I thank You for... Um, For just your, the just the grace that you show us in uh, in passing these things about yourself down to us, and making sure that we have these scriptures, and just for taking the taking the time and the effort to make sure that we have them, so that we would know about who you are, so that defining you isn't something that comes from culture. It doesn't come from our emotion. It doesn't come from, uh, from our circumstances. It doesn't come from any these weird sources. That you, you define yourself. And you explain that to us in your word in such creative and beautiful ways. We thank you, God, that you don't change. And that's honestly something that that we really struggle to understand because it seems like everything around us is changing all the time. Maybe that's a part of why this pattern is, is very subtle and, and somewhat tempting to us is because we're really just trying to, to dumb you down into something that we can comprehend. So thanks for not letting us do that, honestly, and for pushing us into just the more deep understandings of who you are and how you work. Pray, Lord, that you would that you would encourage us tonight and to see how your unchangeable nature fits into where we are today. This is not just a big theological topic. This is relevant to every person in here. And so, Lord, I ask that you would speak to that. Lord, there's some among us who who just need, uh, I don't know, just need some something more from you tonight. Some who are hurting and just struggling. And so we ask that you would. Uh, just, just really just whisper that unchangeable goodness to them.